What's up? Uh, I just got rained on. Uh, oh, it's raining home. down there? Yes, it's like raining on the snow. and uh, It's like I live in a really weird place to bike to and everyone wants me to die. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, um, I I have not lived a life that I could get to the places I need to go with by bike in a while. Uh-huh. But um, even back when I did, it was like everyone hates me. I feel like it just feels like that one meme of like the the um the bike lanes on the highway that's like crossing into a merge lane. Yes. And it's like it, the the text just go ahead die. <laughs> that that is how that is every Boston driver when they see me they 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 look at me like I'm a pedestrian and they're in a Tesla. You know like they look we, at you like the fucking Terminator vision. Yes, exactly. we, we gotta kill. They're like I want this twink obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> It's on fucking sight. <laughs> on sight. I mean, it's on fucking sight for this for this PhD student that looks like a that looks like a pirate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be fair, most of that type of guy is very insufferable, so I almost have to hand it to them. But um, please, I'm built different. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> you're transgender. You're I'm literally tra- built I'm different. transgender. I promise. <laughs> no, I I promise. I'm not like the other people. <laughs> <laughs> me <laughs> me beating the not like other girls charges because i got a dick or me beating the like other girls charges because i got a dick your honor i'm transgender your These honor don't apply to me your honor my client was clearly going transgender mode <laughs> and such they cannot be held accountable <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's jimmy defending everything jesse does in breaking bad he literally did nothing wrong, not remotely culpable. He was transgender about it, Your He honor. was transgender. It's fine. He was going through it. He's got T-boy swag. He's got the <laughs> unadulterated T-boy swag. <laughs> Dangerous levels of T-boy swag on Jesse Pinkman. I owned some of those, like, exact outfits when I was uh, doing uh, uh, transgenderism in Arizona. So it's just, that's just how it is if you're trans Yeah, I, I, I also... When I was doing transgenderism in upstate New York, I also had some similar outfits of just like the, the exact same fit of, mm-hmm. but like the, 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 this is, this is if Jesse was tra- was trans in the other direction and mm-hmm. just hadn't gotten there yet. I fully mm-hmm. believe that Jesse is trans mask, but yeah. also the way he dresses is analogous to how I dressed before I was like, wait, there's a reason that I'm always wearing hoodies and hiding my body. It's, Jesse, <laughs> like, um, uh, like Brianna song, Rise and Fire is trans both ways. It makes sense. Yes. Yes. Like Link. Exactly like Link. No difference between Jesse and Link to me. <laughs> Jesse Jesse Linkman. <laughs> I don't know who Walt would be because I haven't played a Zelda game in a long time, but you can um, take it from there. I'm trying to think. Like I the the, the 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 obvious one is like Ganondorf, I guess, but like that implies that Ganondorf is like a puppet master of Link, which I'm sure he is in some iterations, but I do not think this is that he is some mastermind like controlling Link from behind the scenes in most of them. Um, well, and, and importantly, the thing about Ganondorf is that there are versions where he's nice with it. And okay, Walt you know what? I think I, nice I think I have a. It. I think I have a great. I think I have a great uh, Walt, uh, an analog, okay. and it's one that's going to hurt my heart because this is a character that's very near and dear to me. Okay. Um, it's going to be Lineback from the Phantom Hourglass, okay. who is the who is the fail dad who like is your your companion on your trip and just like takes advantage of, of Link. And <laughs> I I like like I like 
uh, I like Lineback a lot. Like genuinely, he's he's pretty much one of the he's pretty much the reason that the Phantom Hourglass is like my favorite Zelda game. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just want to set the record straight before I get any tweets. <laughs> I do not think it is a good Zelda game. I think it is my favorite <laughs> Zelda game. I do not think it is a good Zelda game. That's just want to get that. Just want to get that one in print. I think that the 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 fucking main mechanic that you have to keep doing is so. Sti- I won't. Okay, I'm not going into this. I'm not going to go into gamer talk. I know you don't know this game. I do not wait, need wait, to. I do not Hourglass? need to install it. I might. What's that? I might remember it. It's, so Phantom Hourglass is a DS game, right? Yeah, that was one of the two DS. It was the first DS one. Is it okay? Okay, so is that the one where you had to close the DS to stamp the map? Yes, that's the okay one. because I played that when I was oh when it like first came out. And I got stuck there, and I slammed my DS shut in frustration, and that worked. And <laughs> I have never felt I that way that, about a I game Googled that shit. Since I, I, then. I played that. I played that game late. Like I came to that game a few. I, I got my DS like a few years after it was mm-hmm. like big. Um, and so I came to that game late, and so like that was thankfully all over the internet for me to Google when I when that happened to me. But <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what they wanted you to do, and I fell for it because I was a very dumb child. Um, <laughs> Nintendo's trick. <laughs> Nintendo's trick. Zelda, like, because the thing is, why, like, the Zelda game that I know the best is Wind Waker because um, we only had a GameCube for, like, years and years, and my parents got us, like, a Wind Waker, like, game guide, so we just, like, we just followed the instructions and then spent, like, three hours on Reno Island or whatever. And so playing, uh-huh. a, playing a Zelda game without a game guide... I felt very stupid. Um, it was that one and, oh, what's the wolf one? Twilight Princess. Twilight I didn't have Princess. a guide and I was like, damn, I'm stupider than I thought. Okay. It was very humbling. Um, um, most people point at, most people point, most, ugh, most people point at Twilight Princess as an instigator into them being furries, which is true of me. I will point, it's not <laughs> the sole reason. Like, if we're being, if we're being perfectly honest, like Animorphs and Renamon predates, predates Twilight Princess by a long while. But like, that, that it definitely didn't hurt, but the thing is that I will point at Twilight Princess as being the as being the originator of my Ramona Flowers love because Midna is just a manic pixie dream girl that, that, that you cannot romance as Link. You know that's valid of you because for me, Wind Waker was like me being like a bird furry. I was like, oh, this is relatable. Like, yeah, it was that, and then I was reading Animorphs at the same time. Oh yeah, like, that, that'll do. That'll fucking that's, so like, that'll do nothing for I you. I relate. That'll, to you. that'll be a, that'll be the fucking curtains. <laughs> God, speaking of curtains, you want to draw the curtain on this movie and d- do yeah. some movie about do some movie watching? I had a, like a perfect segue, but I got distracted talking about Windraker because, like, speaking of fail dads, this is a movie speaking about of, a fail dad. Speaking of speaking of fail dads, let's get into this movie. Oh yeah, so. Fear bidding, everyone. It's your number one. This movie would have killed me dead if I had seen it in the theater. If I had seen it in the theater podcast, I'm Sarah, and I'm joined this week by first time guest, longtime friend of the show, friend of the Aww. pod, friend of the often shouted out in the Patreon segment. It's Ducky. 
Hi, it's me, uh, uh, Twitter user Ducky Aisha. And uh, do we do nicknames for this podcast? I don't remember. You can. I won't stop you. Oh, um, I don't know. Um, I'm just here, um, but I'm, I guess I'm also a... Uh, a They're calling... This is for the Detroit Tigers fans out there. They're calling me the Akil Bagul of podcasting. Oh, okay. Um, I, I know that you are a Tigers fan in general, just like... And, a, and a Detroit... I'm also a Detroit Tigers enjoyer. Are they basketball? They're ba- they're baseball. They're not okay, very okay. Okay, okay. You know what? That's also valid. Um, and yeah, this is Ducky. This is your first time on the pod, right? Yeah. See, this is my first time on. I think any of the Peacock family of pods, except I was on Babies and Puppies once, but then I got distracted with like my PhD on malaria. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to be a doctor at the end of that, and I'm going to at the end at the quote unquote end of this pod pod like. There's this, there's this old episode, there's this episode of Smallville. I didn't watch much Smallville, but like I, I watched it when it was on. And there's this episode where, um, the, the like quote unquote monster of the week is a kid at the high school who like, when he touches people, he sees how they're going to die. Yeah. And there's one that I think of where like, he, he like makes physical contact with Clark Kent and just sees like Superman flying away from the earth or like into the sun or something. Yeah. And like, that's how fear bending will, is going to end. <laughs> Fear Baby, fear, fear Baby will end when all of the horror movies have been thrown into the sun, or when I myself fly fly all of the horror movies into the sun. <laughs> One day I'll come back on the pod and I'll be Dr. Uh, Ducky Aisha. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to introduce you as such. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this dude is not Dr. Fail Dad, but he does have like... He's he's not Doctor Fail Dad, but only because he doesn't have a doctorate. He's Mister Fail Dad. He's Mister Fail Dad. Yeah. Although he, he's he Mister he's Mister Fail Dad. He's Mister Fail Dad BS. Yeah, he is. Uh, although it might be a BA if he wants to go be a journalism professor. Yeah, yeah. But, I think it, I think it is. I don't know why I sucked air through my teeth there. Like I don't. Well, I I do not have I. <laughs> I have an art degree. It is not a Bachelor of the Arts. It is a Bachelor's of Science for Art. I, yeah, I have a um, I have a, a BS in the science thing that I'm going to end up doing now, but I also have an art degree, which comes, which will be relevant at the end of this movie because it's in classics, and they did throw in a tiny bit of that for me, um, in a sort of a very uh, very not satisfying way. But you know what? It's fine. I'll take it. No, like you can you can you can definitely fucking you can definitely fucking twist this movie into the shape of the of Atreus house. But this is Atreus it's... house to me. But the thing that I was most upset about when it comes to, like, classical things is, like, can I spoil the end of the movie or not yet? We'll get, yeah, we're going to get there anyway, so let's, Okay, yeah. just a spoiler. If this is a Babylonian god, why does he just look like Joaquin Phoenix Joker? Why doesn't he have, like, cool, like, ancient aesthetics and, like, cuneiform? Like, there's so much there. And they're like, it's just a guy. And it's like, okay. I, I was looking into this and apparently... <laughs> Hold on, I need to find the exact quote on this because it's so fucking funny. Okay. I kept pulling up the Wikipedia mid-movie to talk, to just, like, look <laughs> at things. Um, My girlfriend was doing that, too, but I completely forgot because I was taking notes like this was a lecture course. Yeah. Okay, here we go. In crafting a look for Bagul, who is the monster of this movie, Cargill initially kept the idea of a sinister Willy Wonka before realizing that audiences might find it silly and kill the potential for the film becoming a series. Stop! Looking for inspiration, Derrickson typed the word horror into Flickr and searched through 500,000 images. This is like what you do when you're writing a creepypasta. 
Hold on, one more. Okay, one more sentence. He narrated he narrowed the images down to fifteen, including a photograph of a ghoul, which was tagged simply Natalie. Cargo was particularly struck by Natalie and decided, what if it's just this guy? <laughs> Literally, what if it was just a guy? <laughs> yeah, I, I also like while I was watching this, I attempted to do some like class analysis, and we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm really yeah. hung up on what if it was just a guy. It, I think it, it. I think there's a very strong argument for it to be made for it to be just a guy, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll so get there. So we we get the we get the Bloomhouse opening credits, mm-hmm. and the movie opens with some. Gr- I, I I call it grainy old time. It's just Super Eight footage. Like it's just shot film footage shot on a Super Eight. Yeah. But the footage is four people with nooses around their neck, and there yeah. is someone standing atop the tree. They're obscured by the tree itself, though, and um, they cut a tree branch. Which, uh, you know, like, the tree branch has a rope tied around it, and it's leverage to pull all the people with their nooses up and hang them to death. Yeah. And they all die. And then the, um, the film strip, the Super 8 reaches the end of its film strip, and we just get, uh, the last, the last thing, which is just the word sinister. And this title, this title, I popped so hard for this title card. It fucking yeah. ruled. It looked cool as hell. Good opening, um, I like this Very good. Ha. I like the I like the grainy film aspect. I'm like, okay, you know, I I will lean into this. Um, uh, I liked the movies themselves. Like also, that was the best part of the movie, and we'll get to that later. But um, it was I was I was pretty hyped. Yeah, we. <clears throat> then we see a guy. We see a guy, and the guy is Ethan Hawke from First Reformed movie. Who? Ethan Hawke from First Reformed movie. <laughs> What's a First Reformed movie? The movie First Reformed. Oh boy. Um. It it's just a good it's just a good movie that I like a lot and I okay, watched it. Okay, okay, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah, it's about crises of faith and climate change. It's very. Oh much. oh oh! I think actually. Oh, I I do actually think they talked about this movie on. Do I can I shout out other podcasts on here? Oh totally. Uh, uh they they talked about this movie on This Machine Kills. Um, mm-hmm. which is a really good podcast about the political economy of technology, if you want to listen to it. So, yeah, I know I knew what we were talking about now. Yes, okay. Yes, carry yeah. on. Yes. He's in that movie. Um, okay. Uh, he's, like, he's like moving into his house. There's, like, some cops chilling on the side of the road, and um, we meet the whole family. We got Ellison, who is Ethan Hawke's dad. He's a, mm-hmm. true con- he's a true crime author and a big fail dad. Yeah. Um, he moved into this house because it is a town where a grisly murder happened and it turns out that got this scene his wife tilly is that her name her name is said like once in this yeah, tracy I, tracy yeah tracy yeah um tracy's like ellison and she's and she's british i'm not gonna do an accent but she is british she's like ellison tell me we didn't move into a house two do- two doors down from <laughs> a murder didn't. and he's like no we didn't move into a house two doors down from a murder i promise and it's because the house they moved into was the house where the murder happened. So he just rules lawyering his wife, which great fucking way to build a marriage, dude. This, I love so much their relationship because, and the way that he appears, because he is embodying the divorced dad aesthetic before he's even divorced. Right! He's Phenomenal. manifesting divorce. He's saying, I am inviting divorce into my life. <laughs> Actually, Bagul is not like, uh, like, uh, uh, a, a child soul stealing demon. He's just like a divorce demon. He exists to get people divorced. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he he he's an anti-divorce demon. He stops divorces from happening by murdering the couple before they can get divorced. Oh shit, that's good. Yeah, 
He's he he's, he's, he's like he, he can sense when you're about to get divorced and then comes into your life. <laughs> he's got I'm, spider I'm shit sense, but for divorce. <laughs> he's got spider fucking. This is one of Venom's powers. <laughs> okay, so we meet Allison. We meet um, Tracy, his wife. We meet. Trevor, I think, is yeah. his son. Yeah, Trevor, and then uh, his daughter Ashley. Trevor doesn't yeah. give a shit. He just listens to music very loudly. Um, Trevor's just kind of used as like a couple, just like a couple of scare, just a, like this child as a jump scare for this movie because yes. he gets night terrors and sleepwalks, and so like that's the that's really the reason that he's in this movie. And uh, he's also in this movie because um, it gives me a chance to talk about House MD. Um, because why is he in that is he in that no but um one of the better episodes of season one of house md i think it's the third one um is about a kid who's in his like late teens who's getting night terrors and sleepwalking and it actually pulls off the like horror ambiance really well especially because Hugh Laurie isn't really good at doing an american accent yet so he's very like emotionless when he speaks in that episode and um i was like oh this is just like that episode of house md um go listen to housebound my house md podcast that's shout out housebound (laughs) um but yeah oh and one thing i also like um this is like early on in the movie i'm not sure if we introduced the kids before this scene but um he like the cops basically don't like him because he like says that they're bad at their job which is true yeah he's he's he i think that yeah it's both yeah cops are bad but also they are very right that like what he's doing is extremely in poor taste just like just like yeah the whatever like not an ambulance chaser but like a hearse chaser yeah it's like um, it's... and because it turns out that Ethan is or not Ethan. Ethan is the guy, the man playing him. <laughs> Ellison, Ellison is a true crime author who has been writing stories about you know the the about like murders that have happened all over the U.S. and he keeps moving to places where murders have happened so he can write about them. And what, I, I really like the, the 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 sheriff. He's like barely in this movie, but he's very funny. He's like, yeah, you were. When in Kentucky Blood, that book he wrote, you were right about the police work then. They did not do a very good job, but you were not right about like, like Bumble's yeah, murder or the the homicide of Johnny Grom. Like that's these these are true crime novels in my mind. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've, got, I've fucking got nothing. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's like it's. I think that this movie is at its strongest thematically when it's like talking about what true crime is and does um i i do think that he's got a point where he's like you know i do like the line that he says where he's like whenever cops say that he's wasting his time it means he's wasting theirs Um, yeah but it's also like you're like he's not like against cops on principle no, um, he's against he he uses be, he uses being against cops as a cudgel to clear room for his like exactly. his space. Like and, all, he wants to get people arrested anyway. Whatever. Yeah, I think I I like the line of uh, I like the line the, the the sheriff says where he's like the town needs to heal needs to forget and like forget question mark a little bit but town definitely does need to heal and does not need some hearse chaser coming in here six months after this grisly homicide happened being like oh what if i wrote about the fucked up evilness what if i tried to solve this murder myself i'm gonna do a citizen's arrest yeah he's like um oh he's like a he's like one of those like weird vigilante guys but for true crime except instead yeah of, instead of having a podcast he writes like um, this guy points to like the one. This this guy points to like that that murder case that Reddit solved, and I was like, "This is why Reddit should be solving crimes instead of police." Stop! It's like I don't think police should be solving crimes. Let me be clear, but I also don't think Reddit should be solving crimes. 
<laughs> I don't. Th- I don't think. Okay, I do not think Reddit is worse than the police. I do think the smallest step upwards you could take in terms of quality of like care of the case, like like if you went from policemen solving crimes to redditors solving crimes, like a tiny, the smallest of that, steps up in terms of like quality of crime solver. Yes, yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, like the police are not good, but Reddit is like like your average true crime head, your Reddit head. A, also, like, they, they have a very vindictive and, and, and punitive mindset anyway, so ideologically, it's not much of a step up. And also, like, in terms of practicality, yeah, it's barely a step up. <laughs> right? Um, but it's... Like, like... <laughs> Sorry. But... No, it's okay. You can go. Like, fucking... Hold on. I gotta, I gotta just, like, do a quick little bit of on-the-ground... On, Boots-on-the-ground research real quick. Okay. Like... Imagine if you like you imagine if your wife got murdered and you were informed that the that the person involved in involved in like the person who is resp- directly responsible for solving your wife's murder is like Reddit user Poggers in the chat. Uh, don't don't worry don't worry guys Reddit uh, Reddit user uh, Firestar dude has got the actually no I think Firestar dude Firestar dude would have my shit down yeah Firestar dude would do would would do me right yeah. Firestorm dude would not let my Star Wars story go untold. Reddit user Weezer reference bumbled another <laughs> crime last night. I have a half a line here. Maybe you can finish it, but it's just like uh, cops hate him. Local true crime writer, etc. Yeah, um, that's lo- what I was thinking of this whole scene. <laughs> cops hate him. Local true crime writer does not solve crime. Fucks everything up. <laughs> Makes things actively worse. One of the few times I'll agree with cops. I hate this fucking guy. Damn, I, I hate to agree with cops, but this guy does suck. Yeah. Um, oh, but he does um, have a fantastic knitted cardigan. I want it so badly. I'm looking at the pattern. I want I want this so badly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say about the intro. Yeah. The So he... <laughs> the, we, we initially don't know that they have moved into the murder house, but the way, the reveal of it is that, like, Ethan Hawke uh, tells his wife, we did not... <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, listen to me. Jesse, we did not Jesse. move two houses down from the murder house. Jesse, I swear. Uh, and then he, like, walks into, like, his living room and looks out the back the back screen door and yeah. sees the tree from the intro with the branch cut off. Yeah. And, like, that branch that was used as, like, the, the counterweight to lift, the, to lift the, the, the dead people up, by the nooses, like that's still hanging on the tree. Like, the, like no one there, moved huh? anything. The the the, the realtor selling this place didn't think to, to remove that one. Eh. Adds adds charm. <laughs> um, this movie gets like really directly into it. Like, I was yeah. not expecting as much of this movie to spend as much time like mired in the horror element. I kind of expected to be doing some more meandering, but we really, really get into this yeah, and. It- it didn't feel as long as it was. It goes straight into that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ethan Hawke heads into the attic and finds a, he finds a scorpion and he drops a box on it. And yeah. then uh, the, the box that he drops on it, like, uh, like breaks the floor and reveals a hollowed out little panel where uh, a box with some home movies was mm-hmm. there with yeah. things like, you know, family hanging out 79 or family yeah. hanging out. Oh wait, BBQ 87. Yeah, uh, and he's like, "Oh, that's weird. I guess I'll put that in my office." And there's like also a reel-to-reel projector in there. Yeah, yeah. They have dinner together with the, the whole family has dinner together, and Trevor, the son, is like, "Hey, Dad, what's the murder? I'm gonna find it out from all the kids at school eventually. So just you should just tell me now. Get it over with." And Dad's like, "No, I'm not gonna tell you anything." 
and <clears throat> mom gets a bit testy about Ellison like just doing this whole thing and putting bad yeah. thoughts in her kids' brains. And he, so Ethan Ellison says, what's the rule? And the kids say, never go in dad's office. And then mom says, and what's the rule? And then Ellison says, always, always lock, lock dad's yeah. office. And I think the script, I, I really do like the script in this movie. Yeah. Really. Like it's... I, the, this movie, we'll get to my full on the whole ratings at the end of obviously, but like this movie script is really fun. And I think that Ethan, I think that like, it helps that Ethan Hawke is so damn charismatic, but he's I, really he's really good. Yes, I loved like he was he just perfectly played that like sort of pathetic divorced man. Like the dinner scene and the post dinner scene, I loved him with his wife so much because he was like you know, oh you know I just need, I just need one more hit. I just need one more big big sell so that you know he can um so that he can like you know give them the life that they deserve and yeah. You know, she, she, he's like he, later that night he's kissing his wife goodnight and she's like listen if this one does if this one fucks up if you if you if you like if you put out another fucking like if this isn't your Carrie if this is your from a Buick well not Carrie Carrie was the first thing Stephen King wrote like if this isn't your if this isn't your The Shining if this is a fucking from a Buick eight I'm leaving <laughs> I, I, I really like I, I, read, I, I read a lot of Stephen King as a teen well I tried to read a lot of Stephen King as a teen I read maybe. Um, I read The Dead Zone, I read From Review of Gate, and I think those might have been the only Stephen King books that I ever actually finished reading. Mm-hmm. I've never read horror books, and I've only seen, like, one or two horror movies. I think it's Get Out and, like, maybe one other one, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So I'm going in almost completely blind. Yeah. So... So proud of you. <laughs> because I, I, I was watching this with, with my girlfriend who's seen like at least a few more. And I was like, oh, this one doesn't have a good ending. What? In Good Out, he made it out. This is weird. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, ba- this is a bad end horror movie. I know. <laughs> no, like I, a- tot- I totally get you. Like, I, I definitely have a, I definitely have, like, Okay, I do not know if this is true of me now. When I was younger, I definitely had a m- big preference for uh, for good end movies. And like when I say when I was younger, like I can I'm referring to like when like earlier in this podcast's lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that like I and I don't I do still love a good ending where like the good guys win and like things are not subsumed into you know evil. Um, but like. I, I, and that's why, like, I have such a fondness for for home invasion flicks because those so those do so often end with the bad guy getting got. But I don't know. I really liked the ending of this one. Oh no, no, no! To be clear, like, I liked the ending. I was just surprised that it wasn't a good ending. Oh yeah, it it tricked you. Yeah, <laughs> Sinister's trick. You think Sinister's it's going to be trick? a good ending? Because it's like that's another way that I can like tie it back into Atreus House because it's like okay, it's it's leaning more on like the inescapability of the story and like the familial curse and like it has to end this way. Um so so it's like okay, like now now I'm sort of starting to understand, but I I was just surprised is the thing. I do think it's a fitting ending. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um uh yeah, when I was saying earlier that like this movie is at, at its strongest thematically when it's talking about true crime, like the way that he talks about what he's writing here, like as if it's like not only something that he needs financially, but like almost like an addiction on the personal level. I think it's significant that we see him with a drink in hand for exactly. so much of the time he is co- he is quote quote unquote in, he is like engaging in true crime research. And I also think it's I also I also think it's insignificant that there are two times in which his he like gets really defensive and says no 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 I'm not an alcoholic yes. are 
times in or like two conversations in which he is like talking about his writing, his being an author, his fame. Yeah, and it's like I think it's 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 both like how how true crime as a genre can like you know, um, it it sort of preys on our like desire to be like the person giving justice justice, but also like that like sort of like the, the voyeuristic way that we view these crimes like just just engaging in things like this to this extent and this degree is in itself like like it can be addictive and it can be dangerous and especially when we like want to publicize it and make it like a big splashy thing um it, it mm. reminds me a lot of like an article i read about about like true crime podcasts and and the like it's it's sort of saying that in a more subtle way than like a critical article would and i appreciated that yeah i think it's yeah i think the way that like his He's very clearly just obsessed with the fame about it. Like we mm-hmm. see him, we 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 find out later that like his only real good book was Kentucky Blood, the first one that he wrote, and like he just like keeps a a a, a sock drawer, not a sock drawer, like a cardboard box full of all of the interviews that he taped uh, him like being on television. Yes, like it it predates BoJack by like four years, but like this is exactly the BoJack Horseman thing, right? Like this is the last time he was successful. And it's all he had, all he thinks he has. Right, and he's um, just chasing that high again. Yeah, and it's and it's also like, it, it's 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 a he's a little bit Walter White with it. He insists oh it's for God. his family, and yes. he insists it's for his family. He insists it's for like the good of, like doing doing right by like the sen- the the, uh, the the arbitrary ideal of justice. But like he's doing this for money and for his ego. It's literally, oh my god! It's literally Breaking Bad to me. You've solved it. I love this. Now. He's he's doing he's waltering he's waltering my white. He's waltering my white. He's he Walter she Walter my is she white on my Walter July Heisenberg? <laughs> I'm not. I really don't know. <laughs> she breaking on my bad. <laughs> she break on my bad till I Walter. <laughs> oh, that's 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 so like it's it's. It's so true, though, because, like, and I think that another thing is that he's, he seems less reprehensible than White, than Walter White, because, like, he's, he's more pathetic, and he, um, his, his, I think that also he, he does genuinely, like, it's not like a grievance he's been nursing his whole life, like, whoa, it seems like there's more of a true desperation there than a, like, wronged ego like walt which is like like i like a man who's desperate and pathetic and about to get divorced so i was locked in on this yeah Um, god love 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 and love a not epic divorce man fail divorce man love a failed divorce man so much um yeah so so oh you he yeah yeah, so he says to his wife she says i'm gonna uh, i'm british i'm gonna leave you if this one fucks up i literally said i wasn't gonna do a british accent yet here i am (laughs) i'm gonna leave you if this one if this one's not fucking great ethan hawk i i I can't wait to watch you in first reformed in five years and he goes to his office where he is doing a murder pin board. He's Pepe Silvia ing the murder of this family that lived in the house before them. And he sets up the he sets up the projector and is thoughtfully watching the cinnamon topography of this home movie. But in the middle of it, it, it like in the middle of this family playing out by this tree, which is like very much the center, the focal point of this home footage, it cuts to that scene from the start of the movie of that family being hung by the neck from that mm-hmm. same tree as some entity cuts the branch off and makes all of them rise up in the air. <clears throat> and he pours himself a drink and then 
rewinds the film strip to watch it again with it with his notebook in hand. He yeah. writes notes like, "Who made the film? Where's Stefan?" Like I I don't know why I've got the Batman stank on it, but he wrote them in all caps, so it's just in my notes. I'm seeing, "Who made the film? Where's Stephanie?" Because Stephanie was the the, yeah. the the it was a family of five. Four of them were murdered, and Stephanie, the youngest girl, went missing. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I really liked the. Th- this is the first time we see one of the like snuff films in their entirety. And mm-hmm. um, one thing I really like is the like the dramatic cut in the score of the home movie from like the sort of distorted music that's like sort of supposed to be calming and 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 sort of like melodic to like a different sort of darker, weirder, more discordant music um, as they start being hanged. Um, and and uh, it reminded me so much of this album that I've been listening to a lot because. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing and, and stuff uh, for my paper, and uh, it's called Everywhere at the End of Time, and it's like... Oh, uh, that album! Yeah, the one yeah. that, like, there was that TikTok thing going around a year or two ago, right? I don't remember the TikTok. I actually found it out from, like, someone in, in Roy's, like, Creepypasta podcast Discord. Um, yeah, so, the thing, yeah, I th- the thing behind that is that, like, people were, like, posting on TikTok or Twitter, I can't, it probably, I can't remember where it originated, but, like, it either started on Twitter and went to TikTok or vice versa, where people were, like... Saying that like th- don't don't listen whatever you do don't listen to this album it like it, it's it's like scientifically designed to make you go physically insane yeah no it's just, it's just a very like sad album because it's like you know represents the different stages of dementia and so it goes from like these sort of like like grand like ballroom big band tracks that like get more and more distorted over time and then it eventually falls into like complete incoherence and then like silence broken by a few sounds. Um, yeah. And I've listened to it like a million times because I'm like obsessed with like, you know, brain, uh, 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 cognitive decline and, you know, the mind and, and, and mental illness and life under capitalism. Cause like I got into all of this because I was researching the football, uh, concussive injuries thing anyway. So, so 390 like, minutes, this one. Yes. I, yeah, that's, that's yes. I've, I've done this. Um, I put it on and then I write for the whole lab work day. Um, fun point yeah, like, when I'm, 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 I'm asking when fun point on this album. Oh my God. Well, see, I already subjected them to hospice. So I'd have to do this to them again. And they think that I was like a sicko joker. God, but hospice is so good. Hospice, is, uh, hospice by the antlers. Such a good album. And here's the thing that will, that has come up on housebound, uh, house and deep podcast and will come up again, which is despite hospice and house MD overlapping by three years, Hospice was never used, no song was used on an episode of House MD, which is, I think, a big missed opportunity, but um, that's that's for a separate time. But yeah, like, so the music here, like, the the way that it's designed in the snuff films and, like, the cuts reminded me so much of that album, so I was, like, instantly fond of that and really this movie it. had This movie had some fucking, this movie had some fucking, like, some big names on the soundtrack. Let me, let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, because the, it's the like... score slapped, and I was like wow this is one of the best scores for a movie that i've heard in a while and then someone in our questions was like they got big names for this and i was like i i didn't even realize that but now it makes sense why that went off so hard right uh, i've pulled up uh sinister original motion picture soundtrack sinister um, movie 2012 i can't find anything but i know there's like some big names on like like sun was on this one i think oh sun um punctuation sun O. yeah yes I'm i know it's not i know it's not pronounced sun oh we'll, we'll get to there when we get to questions yeah 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 um but it's it's okay it, yeah it, it definitely stood out like the score was 
so good this whole movie and i think the the contrast that they were able to create in the in-universe films is just mm, chef's kiss really liked it um, but yeah. yeah as you mentioned he's the way that he engages with these movies is very like it's connected to the way that he drinks and it's it's sort of very obviously framed as another type of addiction so yeah it's good um I, he think he, he like goes out to the backyard and just like looks at the tree where the hanging happened. I was like, huh, well, I'm going back in the house <laughs> now. There's like a really scary sound, but then it turns out that it's just his daughter who got lost in the house. I was like, daddy, I can't find the bathroom. Yeah. And like, we cut to him just standing outside the bathroom and like she finishes and she like leaves the bathroom. It's like, thanks daddy. And starts walking down the hall and he like grabs her by the shoulder and just turns her 180 <laughs> degrees. It's a really, it's a really cute, like dead moment. It made me laugh. Yeah. His, and, and I really like after that when he's like tucking her in and like complimenting her paintings because yeah. she like paints on her wall and stuff, which is really sweet. Um, it, um, you know, as, as someone who, hasn't watched horror movies i didn't think that this was like a cliche or cringe i was like oh this is sweet he like he liked to see her yeah it's it, I, it does not feel cliche or cringe to me like there's there's i you may be surprised to find that i have a very positive opinion about this movie i enjoyed it i yeah and it's like yeah i i it in in some places it seemed like many many opportunities were missed or some things just didn't land for me, but um, I I thought it was at least like well executed on what it did do. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get into yeah. that. Yeah, I I mean yeah, there's there, there's some hangups. This is not a perfect. This is not a five bagger for by any means. But we'll <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Um. After he talks his daughter, and Ethan Hawke returns to his fucked up filmatorium to watch a different reel, and it's a family fishing, and they're having a great time. Ha ha! Yay! They're splashing in the water. Yeah. They're like casting their fa- and then it hard cuts to a garage late at night where there are people taped up in a car and the car gets lit on fire. And Ethan Hawke is not having a very good time watching these movies. And I'm sitting here and I'm like setting aside the ethical quandaries of what you are on, what you are doing right now. You need to have like a focus for your true crime novel right here, bud. Like you need to be I mean, focus he, on one fucked up gruesome murder. Don't like spread yourself so thin that you're trying to cover six stories at once. He, he does think that end up thinking that they're connected, which I I understand. And I think that if if he could figure out that they were connected, like it would it would you know blow the whole thing wide open. And I think like that's part of part of him sort of like focusing on getting the next big hit is like he has to connect them. He has to find the missing link. He has to look at them all. Mm-hmm. So it's um, like this scene made me this scene made me fucking go. I don't think this is this is not like a I'm going insane that this is being a bad decision, but it did, this scene did make me insane because he calls the police and he he like he calls the operator and asks it to be patched through to nine one one and he says yeah this is an emergency, and as soon as someone picks up the 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 phone on the uh, at the at, yeah. you know at nine one one he stares at his first book Kentucky Blood on his shelf and is like he's just like I guess he just thinks to himself like you know I can solve this and hangs up the phone and like. This is a CinemaSins ding for sure, but also like if you call the cop, if you call nine one one and then like don't say anything and like hang up, but you do clarify, yes, this is an emergency. Cops are coming to your establishment, my dude. That like, happened to me once as a child. Right. Like, like <laughs> I was I was at my friend's house and like her family had a old phone, like it looked like a nineteen thirties phone, and we were like pretending to be Neopets, and I 
pressed 911 on the phone for some reason and real cops came to a real house and I was eight years old and I cried. I thought it was mm-hmm. a fake phone, like not plugged in. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I would also cry about that for sure. Yeah, but like... It, they, they I mean, I'll cry, I'll cry about... I would cry if that happened to me now. I, yeah. I like... We're, we're, ho- we're hanging together. <laughs> to quote the great Taylor Swift, we're hanging together by a smile and we're coming undone. That's so true. And you know what? So is Ethan Hawke because he has more Joker movies to watch. Yeah, he's got to watch more Joker movies because he, he wants to... He watches Pool Party. Yay! But before he can watch it, he finds a scary box in the kitchen. Yeah. And... There's, uh, there. It's his son is in there, and yeah. the he bends out, ba- he bends over backwards and, and starts screaming, and then he like he picks up his son and is like, oh my beautiful baby boy Trevor, I'm so sorry about your night terrors. And he like tips him back and forth, like trying to wake him up, and um, we cut to the next morning. We find out that Trevor, the son, once tried to piss in the dryer while he was he- while he was sleepwalking. Yeah, yeah and then is... that's the, all. The, the, there's like a a, a small like argument about how serious his sleep talk his sleepwalking is and then we cut again to later that night where ethan hawk is finally sitting down to watch pool party and we we get the we everyone's having fun in the pool haha yay we're, we're yeah. having fun and then it's another hard cut to late at night where a bunch of people are strapped into pool chairs and getting pulled into the pool and presumably drowned but in the pool he spies a fucked up guy he sees a fucked up guy and and because here's the thing so like i you know, I, I saw the scene with the, with the son in the box, and I was like, this is, like, the House MD episode. Um, and then, you know, I was trying to connect, because, like, okay, so the the movie that takes place in the 70s has, like, a car that they get burned alive in, and the one that takes place in the 60s has, like, a pool. And I'm, like, trying to be, like... But then, like, the one that was filmed, like, a few years ago had them, like, hanging from a tree, and I'm like, is this trying to say something about, like, you know, the neoliberal turn and, like, the change in, like, American society and, like, how the family is envisioned? But then I got distracted because there was a guy. Yeah, it's just a guy. It's just a guy. Like, I'm at, like I'm trying to think, and I'm, like, trying to get my brain to come up with something, and I'm flattening it, and then I see a guy. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes there is just a guy. And I think that's the seasons of this movie that I have to accept is that sometimes there's just a guy. Listen, they listen to us. You can, in fact, put a fucked up guy anywhere. You can it put a fucked out. up guy anywhere. And, but then the thing is that he sees him and that he's there yeah. and he sees him. He sees him and he pauses the film, but as he tries to get close and take a look, he, uh, he actually burns through the film strip, you know, leaving it in front of the projector for too long. Yeah. And he Googles, he just like Googles how to edit Super 8 and we get this nifty little montage of him editing Super 8. There's a couple of moments, there's a couple of like edit, editing moments in this movie that really stick out to me and I don't know what to make of them, but there's like, it's almost, have you seen like Hot Fuzz or any Edgar Wright movie? I don't think so. No, like Shaun of the Dead, um, At World's End. <laughs> no, um, I do know of Shaun of the Dead because the lead singer of Coldplay has a cameo in it. So I may have watched it when I was twelve years old. But that's the only <laughs> reason why I would have watched it. I respect that so much. <laughs> there's just there's a couple uh, of like really there's a couple of really Edgar Wright esque editing moments in mm-hmm. this movie where it's just like a bunch of like things happening in like a half second at a time to show like you know character like you know door yeah. open like door open walk down the hall door close door lock door yeah. j- move handle like and we get one of those we get one of those here of him editing the super 8 and he like Ethan Hawke bootlegs a digital copy of the footage which is just he just you know points his little video camcorder at the screen where he is yeah. projecting his funny little super 8 footage yeah. in 
and it's some good footage for how he recorded it. But as he's looking at it, uh, Trevor, Ashley, and Tracy are back from the store, and Trevor and Tracy are having an argument. Yeah. And it turns out Trevor drew four people hanging from a tree at school, and he found out Tracy about, the color, is, about the crime. Yeah, Tracy's pissed at Allison for for being like this. I can't believe that you let. I knew this was going to happen. This sucks ass. You are a bad dad. And he's like, wait. So the only thing that they know is the four. Like he like he like latches onto something. I think what's the what's supposed to be implied is that like nobody else knows that four people were hung to death. Yeah, like. It's a specific thing, and the fact that Trevor was able to pull that is, is quote-unquote, sus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's but, like, hmm, sus. And Allison is very, like, dressing up his selfish interest in the in the clothes of helping people, helping good... Yeah. Some, you know, sometimes good things... Sometimes bad things, bad things happen, happen to, good, happen to people, good people. And they still deserve to have their story told, and it's like... I mean, I guess, but, like, it's... It's very much, like... It has, like... This is kind of a poll, but it's like... It has, like, the way, like, people who work in drug development talk where it's, like, yeah, I guess that, like, you should gen- you should create drugs that cure cancer, but you're not allowed to get up on your high horse about it if you make Lamborghini money doing that, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I yeah, like, in the abstract, yes, I agree with you. But you're doing this for money. Like I want you. You're to doing. Say that you're doing this. You're doing this for your fucking. Your your fucking Murcielago. Like exactly. You're doing this. So you can pull out the coop at the lot. Tell him fuck twelve. Fuck SWAT. <laughs> all this. All these things. <laughs> Roddy. Roddy Rich was a scholar. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I mean. Yeah. I guess in the abstract this is true. And I, and I guess in the like in the abstract and in the real like cops are bad at their jobs. We know this. But it just, it, it don't hit the same if you're, like, profiting off of being, like, the person sort of salacious. Right, it rings, it, rings, it rings just, it rings just ever so slightly hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like every presentation that I see in, like, Malaria World that ends with, like, thank you, Bill Gates, for your money. And it's like, okay, dude. Like, I get thank it, but, you, like, okay, Bill, Thank dude. you, Billiam Jates. Yeah, thank you, Billiam Jates. Um... I guess we all have to pretend that it's okay that you're allowed to dictate what research does and doesn't happen around the malaria space, but that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but it's like, okay, like, yeah, in the abstract it's true, but, like, you know, his wife is right in the fact that she keeps implying that this is just about him, like, getting another hit and becoming famous again. Um, But I did take a note here that says they're looking more and more divorced by the minute, so that's great. (laughs) because a dad who's getting divorced is a character that I like to see. Yeah. It's, it's great. Um, Allison watch uh, cut to later that night. And Allison watches another fucked up murder movie and yeah. the family. And um, I was, I was also like this protagonist slowly sipping liquor while I watched this. Um, so I got like more and more into this movie throughout, not the like Joker movie, but like the actual movie. Right. So, Allison goes and watches another fucked up murder movie. There's a family, there's a whole family, and also uh, a dog that are taped down, and uh, their throats get opened, and it's not very good. Yeah, he... A kid kid also gets killed in bed, like, their throats slit, and Allison can't watch this, so he turns away. And he says, Ellie needy drinky, and takes a big (laughs) slurp of booze. (laughs) Ellie needy drinky. Yeah. Between he, between he, the weird guy, the cop, my bitch wife, <laughs> the, <laughs> the editor from hell. This has been a cromulent fuck crust full of a day. 
Ellie Needy Drinky. Ellie Needy Drinky. This this one also had like like this sort of like in universe movie also had a like really like good like cut in the score that I was like okay I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wrote here like okay so his Mac can play Super Eight movies and mine can't even play Dot AVIs. Um, we hate to see it. God. Oh God. But then he, he he's on up. he's on that. How much do you think Apple paid for this movie? Like how much were they? <laughs> he's on that MF MacBook. He's on the like big desktop computer interface that my family had because my dad is a Mac guy. TM. Um, he's also got like he's also got like this specifically like the like he's got the iPhone from like when the iPhone first came out. Like when you know like you know you remember what the iPhone screen looked like yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got that. I mean, it was 2012, so it's it was like the early generations, right? But not that early. I'm talking like like the iPhone came <laughs> out in like 2000. The iPhone was like 2006. I oh, think. really? Let me let me check when the iPhone came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I I don't know if my dad had one that early, and I know he would have gotten the first like 2007. 2007. Oh, okay. Yep. January 2007. I did not know that was that early. To be fair, I was not aware of much. Like I was still. Like, role-playing warrior accounts on Neopets, so I probably was not even anywhere near aware of this. But mm-hmm. maybe it's, like, symbolism, because he, he can't afford to upgrade his iPhone because his books uh, suck ass. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's on the same shit-ass iPhone for the last ten years. <laughs> um, yeah, this one, this this uh, movie, he, he puts it onto his uh, funny MacBook. Yeah, he, uh, he like t- he like prints out a picture of the gu- of a fucked up guy's face, and he also zooms in on a detail and finds out. Okay, this video was taken in St. Louis. Let's do some research about the Miller only, family murders. Not only does he zoom in, he cranks up the brightness and contrast to reveal a new detail, which is like that's literally what I do sometimes when I take images on the big microscope. So I was like, all right, game uh, uh, kings recognize kings. We understand. Hmm. Um. Reviving, but yeah, he's. The, the, the St. Louis reveal. So, like, I was a little bit confused because at first I thought, did all these murders happen in this house? But then it was made clear, oh, these are different places, different areas. Yeah. Yeah, because every all these murders took like, The one murder did happen in this household, yeah. but they took place everywhere. Yeah. And so, he, he hears a spooky noise when he's watching this, and he has to go investigate. And my next note says that this movie would have killed me in the theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like... Yeah, he's, he's reading about, like, the Miller family murders because he's able to figure out, like, with the St. Louis detail and the date, like, what's going on, like, what, who, who these people are. And, like, while he's reading this, like, creepy shit online, the lights go out. Yeah, and you're, mm-hmm. you're so right. Like, I lost something for sure watching this with my big light on with my girlfriend, like, online shopping next to me in bed. Honestly, um, like, I had my fucking, I had my, like, my room's perfectly well lit. I, you know, the dogs are here with me. I've got, you know, I'm meticulously taking notes, which is definitely taking me out of the immersion. I'm still fucking freaked. Like, I pulled up Where's the Jump for this movie, which I have not done in years. Yeah. Like, and, and for, any, for anyone who doesn't know and who would like to maybe watch along but are too scared of jump scares, Where's the Jump is a very helpful website that gives you the exact timestamp of when and of when and where and what happens in a particular jump scare in any movie. They document major and minor jump scares. Very handy. Yeah, very useful. Yeah, um, my girlfriend uh, Nina pulled that up um, before we, we watched this movie just so she would, like, be aware of when the jump scares were going to be. But she was, like, really paying attention, um, so it didn't, it didn't really matter. But, yeah, mm-hmm. this is the first of many sequences where he's walking through the house in the dark, um, crawling around in a dark house, and you know something fucked up is going to happen. Yeah, 
And the fucked up thing that happens is that he he's hearing some footsteps up in the attic. So he's like, well, I guess I will go into the attic. And he heads up there with a kitchen knife and he uh, finds a box. It's wiggling, but um, he, he flips the box over and it was just a snake. Just a, fu- just a funny little garden snake, I think. A, a snake and another scorpion, I think. I didn't see the if there was a scorpion I did not see it I just saw the snake they they shoot the snake very menacingly and like but it looks it just looks like a cute little guy it's just a cute little like it looks like a garden snake like yeah. I truly could not like I don't know they could they should have picked a scarier snake or something but maybe that's the point though because like later when he's talking to the cop he's like oh it's a snake and the cop's like uh huh so maybe like the point is like oh it's just a little guy but he's like but like there's bad vibes anyway right um. But, He's he up, also well, finds... but but under, in the box that he finds the snake in, the box lid has drawings of all the murders, and Mister Boogie is there in all of them. Mr. And Boogie. the scene is really creepy and effective for me. But it also is very funny that Boogie, Mister Boogie, looks like he's in the middle of busting a move in all of these <laughs> murder scenes. Yeah, I wrote here like while he was looking at them, like imagine having to write a true crime novel and put someone named Mister Boogie in there. Like I'd kill myself. Right. <laughs> And then he falls um, through the attic. He body. falls. He falls through the attic, and we cut to the, we cut to like later. Like there is so much shit that happens in this movie, and the family does not wake up. I assume they woke up from this, but Dad does so much clomp stomping around in the attic and does not <laughs> get found out at all. So much. He's just listen. They're they're used to him going Joker mode every night. They just all sleep with earplugs in. God. Um, but yeah, th- this is another Breaking Bad connection because. One of the most iconic hole? images from Breaking Bad is what? The hole with the bathtub. And this is him, but it's like his foothole. Yeah, it's his foothole. <laughs> it's, it's his foothole, that classic thing. But it basically um, is Breaking Bad now. We get to the next day, and yeah. um, this 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 officer shows up. Deputy, he does not have an actual name. He is referred to as Deputy So-and-So as a joke at first, and that is the only name he has ever referred to in this movie. Yeah. At, under... But um, it's uh, 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 it's fucking it's James Ransone, who you may know from uh, The Wire. I've heard of The Wire. Have oh, uh, you should watch The Wire. It's got another. It's got another Jesse Pinkman. Season two's got a je- real Jesse Pinkman guy in it. It's played by this guy. Okay, now that uh, yeah, I like it's here. for anyone who knows The Wire. It's uh, it's Ziggy Sabat. It's Ziggy Sabatka is playing this guy. And this this entire this this pattern between Ethan Hawke and James Ransone is so fucking funny. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, I, I I had to stop myself from writing down all of this dialogue. And yeah, the the first thing James Ransone says as soon as he gets on screen is like, "So let's go see this hole." <laughs> and he's Let, let's see Ethan, the hole. Ethan Hawke he, walks he says show hole. What's that? He says show hole. Yeah, show hole, <laughs> Mister Hawke, please show hole. <laughs> Ethan Hawke walks him over to where the hole is, and he's like, well, I heard some, I heard someone up there. It sounded like an intruder, but I don't think it was an intruder. I don't know. I found a snake up there, and James Ransone's just immediately snakes like, don't snakes, don't have, snakes don't have feet. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing you got squirrels, though. You know how they are. And <laughs> Ethan Hawke says, not really. I don't know. How, <laughs> I do not know how it is with spaghetti. <laughs> he literally says you know how it is with spaghetti. <laughs> he dies. <laughs> you know how it is with squirrelgetti. You know how it is to scroll Getty. I, I didn't write down the exact, like, dialogue for many of these, so I'm really glad that you have at least some of them, because I, I just wrote down, like, the general vibes, because... Yeah, I, I, I only write dialogue. I only write specific dialogue down, but it really yeah. piques my interest, but... Yeah, like, I think after this is the scene where the, the, the deputy cop is like, um, can I be in your book? 
Yeah, this guy is like, you know that part at the end of the book when you thank everyone, you always thank some deputy so-and-so for helping you? <laughs> I could I could be your deputy so-and-so. and uh, uh, I don't know why I'm giving him this accent. This is in Pennsylvania. That's not how they talk in Pennsylvania. Um, and... He want yeah. He says yeah. You can be my epi- you can be my deputy so and so. Uh, and sends sends him off with an inter- with an autographed copy of his book. And then he's watching the interviews of his epic book. And he looks so silly in this interview. He looks like um. Sorry to reference a movie you haven't seen, but he does look very much like for like Reverend Toller first reformed twenty years prior. Uh huh. No, like he's I, I, absolute baby face. He's got the comb. <laughs> he got like the gel the the full of product comb over yeah. going on, like. And he's just like, oh, you know, I do. It's all for the justice. It's for, you know, I think there are good. He says, like, I think there are good cops off there. But when cops make a mistake, that's someone's entire life. And I think that bad police work can be offset by good crime writing. Yeah, like I wrote, like after this interview. Yeah, he he has all these interviews. That's very Bojack energy. Like he just kept them all. Um, right. And yeah, I put yeah, like I I wrote here like it's 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 this like crime writing as something that can make you famous, like monetizing you know public publicizing salacious violent details of people's gory deaths like it it really seemed like at this point like my theory that this movie like part of it is a sort of like criticism or or even not even criticism but like examining of like true crime as a genre um uh is like is like upheld by the way he's portrayed in this interview and as the person watching the interview later washed up drinking etc trying to like desperately trying to sort of like comb the details of a grisly murder for a story yeah so he looks at all the drawings of all the mass homicides yeah, yeah. and sees that he sees that mr boogie is there in all of them and then so he's like well i guess i can find the 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 i can find the you know i can find mr boogie in the I background the of these other videos so he looks for he a does. guy he looks for a guy. He finds a guy, and we cut to the next morning. And uh, 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 Ashley, his daughter, is like, yeah. "I want to bring Daddy coffee." And Mom's like, "Well, we have to make his coffee's very special. Daddy needs his French press." And <laughs> she brings him the coffee, and he takes it. And then, like, immediately closes the door as he takes a phone call. <laughs> And he gets some info from Deputy So-and-so, and it's like, the Deputy so and so's like, yeah, I got some info for you here about the car that exploded in the Sleepy Time murder. Yeah, he got, um, like, the addresses of the houses. Um, yeah, and were. he finds out that and he finds out that one of the families had lived in one of the houses where another family got murdered. Yes. And I'm sure that's not important. Yeah. But while he's while he's doing this, um, in the background, Miss, he's got, like, a frame of Mr. Boogie pulled up on his screen. And in the background, during this conversation, Mr. Boogie moves. just moves. Yes, and then after Mr. Boogie just moves, he sees on his computer, like, a film of himself trapped in the attic with the, like, Super 8 footage. Yes. And he, like, he, he fall. we see him falling to the floor and there are a bunch of, like, baby hands grabbing him. Yes. It's creepy. Um, And then, like, oh, and then... We cut to like the projector playing in the middle of the night. Yeah, he like he like wakes up in the middle of the night and finds that his project the projector and the laptop are both playing the murder that happened in that the hanging murder that happened, and they're both just like perfectly synced up. And I get this movie would have left me physically dead in the theaters. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing um, I love about it is like like the sense of like what time it is is always a little bit jarring and weird, and you're like thrown hours into the future. I don't know what he was doing in the intermediate time, but now he's like. It's the middle of the night, and he's woken up again. It just, it just disorients you, and I think that's to its benefit. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, uh, th- so the, a big scare happens here, which is that Allison holds up a printout that he took of the of the of Bagul hiding in the backyard where the hanging murder happened. He like holds yeah. it up to the for- to the bushes that where the murder actually happened, and then when he puts the paper down, Bagul is out there. Parentheses real, and Bagul, it's real? very scary. Well, he, um, he, he this is does he actually see him or does he just like or, or is he, this when he sees the dog? No, he sees Bagul. He fully sees Bagul out there because oh, what happens okay. next is that, is that he goes out there with this big strong baseball bat and he flashes his flashlight among the bushes and he sees someone in there, but it's just his son Trevor who is right, the right, night right, walking, yeah. um, yeah, sleepwalking. He wakes up the family. They all have a bit of an emergency thing. Um, he goes back outside to get his baseball bat, which he forgot. And there's a big yeah. evil dog out there who has not shown up prior and does not show up again in this movie. It's just the pr- the presence of this dog is very strange and feels and it, it, it it's this starts what I think is the weakest part of this movie for me, mm-hmm. which is the the presence of the the because w- eventually what we find out happens. I got to jump to the end of the movie to talk about yeah, this yeah. part here. Because what we find out ha- that hap- the, what we find out eventually is that what happened in all these murders is that the 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 ancient entity Bagul took possession of the children in these family murders, utilized these children to kill everyone else in the family, and then like spirited away the children that he uses as that he used as his vessel. Yes, and these children as like decaying bodies like is looking kind of like zombies appear in the background here when, when Ethan has this small standoff with this dog and this scene itself is a little bit creepy for sure. I just don't like where they go with this because mm-hmm. we, we, we just like see the lineup of the kids standing behind him and it is genuinely creepy. And then he looks back and there's nobody there and the dog doesn't really care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, and if it was just one shot, and you never saw the kids again until the end of the movie, it would have been effective. But yeah, like you say, like it, there's stuff that happens after this where it's like, okay, well, I'm not really scared about this. Yeah. Um, the, but the, then he has a big fight with his wife. He has a big fight with his wife who's like, Allison, you've got to quit the book. You've got to quit drinking. Quit doing all of this. You're making this so bad. And and Allison's like, I listen, listen, babe. This was. I'm gonna go on the interview circuit. This one's gonna be huge. I'm on the break, bringing discovering something, something. And she's like, I don't care about. You no, know, you care about this. Nothing is wrong. Everything is fine. That everything we're going great. And they have like a fun, a cute little like laugh together when when El, when El, when Tracy's like, well, Allison, why are you so why are you so white? You came in out there like you'd seen a ghost. And he's like, there was a dog out there. It was like fucking Cujo big. And she's like, oh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay, good night. Yeah, I, I do like that. She's like, you know, you both are worse than before. Like Trevor's night terrors and his drinking. Like they're they're all connected to his work. And it's mm-hmm. sort of like you know, obviously this is a criticism of like true crime. It's a genre specifically, but it's like. You know, oh, oh, you're 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 working, and and it makes your life and your family's life worse, and it's disintegrating your mind and body. I'm stretching it thin, but there's something there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and so so then they they, if not make up, at least like reach a peace, and then uh, the, and then deputy so and so deputy yeah, so and so walks day. in, and well, no, because what happens is um. Ellison uh, 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 falls uh, falls asleep yeah, on the yeah. couch, but but in the morning, the d- deputy so and so is there. He's like, "Hey, I got some information for you," and yes. he's like, "Hey, I know what connected murders look like. I can run interference for you, but I got to be in the loop on this." And so Ellison yeah. decides to let him in on everything, 
And we learn a couple of things, which is that they assume that the guy is probably old, given the amount of time that these crimes have taken place over. They assume it's yes. like a human entity doing these things. And it's like, oh, they're dr- everyone gets drugged, so they don't have to exert their strength. But it turns out every everybody in these cases was drugged because it's a child doing the homicide. Here, oh, here, I just realized, like, okay, so obviously, like... It doesn't matter that the guy is old because he's from, like, literally, like, literally, like, literally ancient times. Literally vampire times. Yes. Like, a missed opportunity is, like, what if there was, like, like 1930s-ass film of this happening with, like, a Dust Bowl family or something? That would have been really creepy. I know yeah, they would have, that... like, tipped their hand too early because, like, then someone couldn't have lived that long. But, like, the idea of a film like that being made with that kind of... Yeah, show me the fucking zo- show me the fucking zoetrope snuff film. Yes, Jay- <laughs> show, show me the, the snuff, <laughs> snuff film where snuff film where the the movie theater where the train is coming at the camera and everyone's like, oh, the train's gonna hit me, but yes! then the train actually did come through the camera and killed everybody. Ah, uh. yeah, show me like, oh my god, like um, uh, uh, a snuff film depicted entirely through like ancient roman mosaics like i want I yes want... show me show me that well cuneiform is letters more than it is close enough pictures yeah. but you know i've been i've been reading scott mcleod's understanding comics i'm 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 you know picking hair i'm yeah. splitting hairs about this shit now <laughs> <laughs> um like take me like show me the like egyptian carvings of of bagul doing a murder god literally yes show me like the weird illuminated manuscript of like a weird looking baby killing their parents. Like if he's, if he's ancient, I want to see it. I want to see. Show me, show me that, show me that ancient Bagussi. Show me the ancient Bagussi. I, this is perhaps to me, the biggest missed opportunity of this movie. Um, solely because I really like weird old shit. Um, but I also think it would have been extremely cool. You don't have to go back to medieval times, but I think like a, a late, like 19th century, like, you know, paint recolored like silent film would have been dope as hell. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Oh, speaking of weird shit, um, this is when he says that he'll like connect him with an occult crime expert. Occult crime expert at the university, Professor Jonas, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> Some ancient aliens ass professor. I have to tell you, I, I literally thought this was the guy who played Gil Grissom on CSI when he first showed up. <laughs> So, but before before we meet Professor yeah, before, we, before meet we meet Professor before we meet Professor Janos, um, <laughs> we see no, we see another fucked up crime reel where uh, they're like someone's watching the family on their camcorder from outside, and then it cuts to uh, the lawn being mowed on a rainy night, and then uh, the sound cuts in suddenly as we see a woman's face appear in front of the lawnmower and presumably get shredded to smithereens. Yes, it's like, um, you thought that Mad Men scene was funny? Well, what if it happened to someone who wasn't an advertiser? I should watch Mad Men. Someone gets, someone gets fucking cut up. Someone gets Ronald Reagan cut up while talking. Yes, um, there's like a party and like someone gets, someone's uh, leg gets run over by a lawnmower. Ooh, Uh, that sounds, I don't know if I could watch that actually. It doesn't show, it just shows like blood. It doesn't show like the actual gore. The, um, yeah, might be, like, might be, might be, might be. I'll get there when I get there, and the, when I'm watching the show, I'm yeah, sure. For, for me, the benefit of watching Mad Men is seeing a guy who is really divorced all the time. Um, uh, but that's what I thought of when I watched this. I was like, uh, what if you took the comedy and made a tragedy? Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so that that's this uh, the final snuff film that we see, and then we get to meet him. Yeah, we get to meet him. Um, 
Dr. Yeah. Janos. Dr. Janos, uh, he looks like an ancient aliens dude. Uh, he does look like the ancient aliens. He looks like, he's, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. He looks like Gil Grissom, CSI. We <laughs> learned about Bagul, Bagul, and I spelled it wrong in the tweet, so apologies to, to all my fans for spelling, for not spelling it, B-U-G-H-U-U-L, the eater of children. And there's a really funny back and forth with Ethan Hawke. He's like, did you say, did you say eater of children? He, uh, Dr. Jones is like, yeah, yeah, eater of children. So, um, he's a state. He sustains himself yeah. off the souls of children, and uh, each story of each story that has been told about Bagul is, involves a different way that he lures the children away and traps them in the nether world. So this, to me, is QAnon, um, <laughs> but not just QAnon. So me and Alana have a long-standing joke about like, was there conspiracy theories in vampire times? And we were like, what if there was like an ancient Babylonian, like adrenochrome version, and it was called QAnon, but C-U-E, like cuneiform anon. And this is that. This is that, yeah. Um, also, it's like it's like the QAnon anonymous, like Moloch episode. Like this is just yes. Like, that's exactly what this is to me. When are we gonna? When Sinister Three should be the John Locke Sinister. <sighs> Um, when they made uh, Travis View say uh, Rita Grace ebooks post, I ascended. Yeah, God. <laughs> um, it's not going to be a recommendation. It won't be my recommendation proper for this week, but I do highly recommend that you check out the the uh, the Q the QAnon Anonymous episode about the John Locke conspiracy. I think that was that a bonus only episode. It was a bonus only, um, but it's honestly worth it. And also, the Moloch episode was also bonus only, I believe. Um, mm. But I really like that one, um, particularly because it starts off talking about um, excavations at Mount Lycaon, which is where ancient Greeks um, in the like pre-classical era did a bunch of human sacrifice. Um, yeah, and um, I was so excited because University of Arizona, where I went to undergrad, did those excavations. And I was like, that's my school. Um, thank you, Travis, for shouting them out. Yeah. Um, but it's also just like a dope episode about like ancient history and I love when they talk about ancient history on QAA because they always talk about like ancient baking or whatever and it's just very funny for me to imagine. But yeah, that's what this is basically. We they they say this is obviously not like they say like this is obviously not the real Bagul. This is probably just some sort of cult initiation because the way it's happening in multiple yeah. places. Um Ethan Hawke tries to go to bed, but the projector in his office is on again. And yeah. um, while he's patrolling, this scene, this next scene, I think fucking sucks. I do not think this scene is good, and it's just really silly. Oh, is this one with and, the kids gliding around? Yeah, it's like the kids are the kids are like fucking filming an Apple commercial, like they're dancing <laughs> to some beat that I can't hear. And then they're like they're like just playing around. like it's Looney Tunes ass shit because they're like running around just outside like Ethan Hawke's field of view, but within perfect view of the camera, and. It's supposed to be scary, and there is one scary moment of this to me where, like, after uh, after four of the kids have, like, done their fucking b-boy routines in the background, <laughs> um, Ethan Hawke goes and checks on his son and his daughter, and he opens the door to his daughter's room, and she, he's like, oh, okay, she's doing good, alright, I'm gonna leave with my big strong bat, but then we, like, the camera pans over to his daughter, who is staring, like, terrified, wide-eyed at the corner where there is a painting of the four hanged bodies and a painting of Bagul and also an apparition of this dead girl who was one of the who was one of the children who yeah, that, that uh, is the the one affecting part of this scene the, the 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 kids sort of like floating around like weird little ghosts is like it undercuts the rest of it that is actually good yeah um Nothing really happens. Ellison falls asleep on the couch. This is what, okay. I was wrong earlier. This is when he falls asleep on the couch with a bat in his hand and wakes yes. up when the sun rises. Um, D- Deputy so and so walks in and they just talk about how 
uh, this is a house where a murder happened and mom doesn't know about it. And uh, the deputy, the deputy is like, Oh, I don't want to be here for that conversation. Yeah. And uh, Ethan Hawke really just looks like shit here. Like he did not, he did not look very good at the start of this movie. Like he, he, but like he looks like shit here. Yeah. The, um, uh, the cop, basically the cop is very gently saying that he's like placebo affecting himself. Um, and then at this part, my girlfriend leaned over and said the cop told him to touch grass. Um, and yeah, Ellison's looking very divorced here. Very upset. Yeah. They, they talk a little bit more about, uh, the, the de- de- deputy so-and-so is like, yeah, dude, I think you're making yourself insane with this book that you're trying to write and having moved into a murder household and you're doing a lot of drinking. And Ethan Hawke is like doing general voice being like, chat, I am not, I am not an alcoholic. I <laughs> chat, 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 chat. I'm not an alcoholic. Okay. okay. Um, one, nothing wrong with me. <laughs> two, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm normal. He 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 asks deputy. He asks deputy so and so is like, hey, would you be? Would you like live here? And deputy so and so, I would no. not spend a fucking night in this household. You could not pay me enough to sleep here for a night. And then he's like, well, uh, something something bad's about to happen, so I'm gonna head out. Uh, it seems like I, I read the script. Something bad. Something rough's about to happen to you. Yeah, I'm gonna um, head out. Uh, I'm gonna head out, chief. Yeah, he does like the peace sign, like fades away. <laughs> <laughs> and then um... he. Um, De- uh, Tracy mom is like, uh, Ellison, come here, honey. Sounds like your daughter forgot about her one rule. And he walks over and is like, and they're like, really, Ashley, we gave you one rule, which is to not paint outside your room. And the daughter's like, I didn't, it, I'm sorry, but Stephanie wanted me to do it. And, and then we, it's a painting of one of the dead girls. Yep. Um, yeah, the one and, that was like haunting her in the yeah. previous scene. And Ashley is like, well, it was one of the girls who died here, the, the one that daddy's writing about. And then this is when mom is like, oh, you fucking, you did this? You, you, you are motherfucker to me? You, you, yeah, are, you, are you motherfucker me? me? You, you are, you are divorcing me? You are divorced to me? You are not, that's, that one's not a question. It's you are divorcing me now. <laughs> you are divorcing me now. I'm casting spell of you divorce me. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, then then there is a very Walt Schuyler exchange where his wife is like, where, where he's like, I'm doing this for us. Like, this gives my life meaning. This is how I provide for the family. And she's like, um, first of all, we give your life meaning and your children are your legacy. Um, so that's very Walter White to me. The, the, the ways that he, like, tries to rule his lawyer. Like, he, he not only does he, like, do the thing of, like, well, I, when you, a- you asked if anyone had died two houses down and no, no one had died two houses down. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? And then he's like, it didn't even happen here. She's like, okay, so this wasn't the house where murder happened. And he's like, no, it happened in the backyard. And she's like, fuck's sake, Ellison. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah. She, he's, um, he's posting cringe in this scene. There's no other way to posting so much cringe. He's posting cringe. He's being divorced. He sucks. We hate to see it. Um, yeah. but I do actually like to see a man getting divorced. So it's, it's a, it's a great, it's great acting from Ellison to be sure. Yeah. Or from, from Ethan Hawke to be sure. He's good. Like he's, he's, he's destroying this movie. Everyone else like is doing fine, but he just rules. Right. He's a real cut above the rest here. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. They, they, they paid for a guy and I can tell. Yeah. Um, later that night, she, like, uh, she finds him on the couch watching something on the television. I don't remember what it was. Uh, it was but, watching um, his old interviews, baby. Oh, uh, that's what it was. Again with this shit. Yep. But she's like, oh, okay, time to help you go to bed. And she, like, helps him get into bed. Um, 
it's cut later that night, and it's like a different POV. Like someone is standing behind the camera at the foot of his bed, shining a flashlight on him as he sleeps. Yeah. And the camera, the camera like moves in, and the flashlight goes off. And Daddy wakes up, and he starts stumbling through the house, and is moving like he's being called to the attic. And there's this, yeah. like, the cinematography of, there's a scene where yeah. he is standing at, like, the base of the ladder, staring up into it as, like, the lights flicker. And, yes, like, the ladder is, like, lit up like it's, like, a location in a video game where you have to go. Like, it genuinely looks like, like, if this was a more, if this was a more Catholic movie, I would easily be able to buy this as him, like, being ascending into heaven in some capacity. Yeah. Um, but that's not what happens. He goes up into the attic and uh, he sees a bunch of dead kids, the kids who did the murders, uh, watching Bagul footage. And Bagul walks toward, like, they're they're watching it on the projector and Bagul is walking towards the camera of the projector film. And then as he reaches the front, like, Bagul leans out of the side of the frame, like, really close to the camera of the movie that you are watching and scares you real good. And Ethan Hawke falls down the ladder and all of the tapes and stuff, and all of the, the tapes and reel-to-reel f- f- projector and everything fall down there with him and he is like fucking all right we got to get out of here i'm gonna burn all this shit uh he uh, another walter white moment he sets it all on fire he says a skyrim guard voice never should have come here uh get the kids back the car we have to leave yeah we are getting out of here um they're speeding and they get pulled over by the cops but the sheriff from the start of the movie is like oh damn you're taking my advice huh uh and uh ellison's like i'm not fucking writing this book anymore dude i'm out of here book book and the sheriff's like yeah the sheriff's like well uh get out of here um bye don't don't speed see ya and he's like great don't want to see your ass again um yep and uh yeah so as they're moving back into their old house the wife is thrilled um but here's the thing like what i was thinking as they're moving back in is i was thinking in my head like ah this is not going to be a movie about how you can't escape the pull of the story and how tragedy you know is is inescapable and that's exactly what happens right because what happens is that um he gets a call from he gets a couple of calls from deputy so and so, but he ignores them. But he also gets three scanned images from Professor Jonas. Yeah, and he t- he tells him that people believed Bagul lived in images himself, and they were gateways into his world. And Bagul would take people hostage through these images, and he like deletes all the recordings he took, and takes and dusts off his hands. Like, well, that's that. Um, oh, but real quick though, so. Of the images that he gets sent, like, one of them is, like, fragments of a deteriorated fresco. And, first of all, looks like shit. Second I of all... I love fresco. Ancient, like, ancient Roman frescoes would have been, like, on some nobleman's house if they were preserved. Who was the freaking sicko joker who painted this ancient Babylonian child eater in their triclinium? Like, that must have been the ancient Roman, like, QAnon room. <laughs> Like Tiberius in one of his weird little caves is like, yeah, I'm gonna put a, a sicko Joker mural in here of the of the child eater. Demon. We're just, I, we're, yeah, a shrine to the fu- a, a shrine to a shrine to Shugoth, the child eater. <laughs> I hope no historian sees this and writes about how I'm a weird freak. Right. <laughs> um. Oh, so he, yeah, he deletes all the recordings off of his laptop and uh, declines another call from the deputy. He goes up into the attic and finds the home movies box that he burnt with the reel-to-reel and everything in it. And he's like, oh, fuck, it followed me. But also, um, the, like, he is, like, fucking thumping, stumbling around in this attic. Which, I yeah. mean, I guess this the family not waking up this time does make sense diegetically. 
Um, because he also finds extended cut endings, and he like does, we get some more like uh, some footage of him editing uh, Super Eight footage together. And he gets another call from Deputy So-and-so, and he's like, okay, so it turns out all of those murders that we were talking about, um, the people who were murdered, the last house they lived was a murder where one of these people... So, like, you know, yeah. the, the, the right before they got murdered for their, their... Right before they got murdered from being hung by a tree, that family lived in the house where the pool party massacre took place. And the people who died in the pool party massacre, well, they lived in the house where the car explosion thing took place. And, you know, it tracks back and they're like, oh, fuck. Uh, he says something like, y you not only, you did not get out of this man's way, but you you put yourself directly in this man's line of fire. Yes, and he, he, oh, he's a true crime writer and he wrote himself into the story. We like to see it. Yeah. And... He, he watches the extended cuts and he sees all the kids like walking out from behind the camera and shushing at the camera after they just killed all their family members. Yeah. And Ellison's like, oh, this isn't very good. And then he looks in his coffee and sees like green ooze at the bottom of it. He's like, oh, oh fuck. Shit. I have been, I have been drugged by my daughter who's evil now. And she appears She's behind him. Mode. She appears behind him and says, I like that you made the movies longer. They're better that way. Don't worry, daddy. I'll make you famous again. And the, she kills the whole family. She dismembers them. I I like the ending, parentheses, bad. That line had Jeff the Killer energy, unfortunately. It really does. It, it, it's, it's got two-sentence horror story yes. uh, uh, energy to me. Like, you didn't, like, it, if she said nothing, it would have been a better ending to me. Yeah, but, so, we, that's not the end-end, because she, like... Oh, that's she, right, yes, like, that's right. She shushes the camera, and then we, like, see her walk towards the camera and take someone's hand. And the camera, like, turns around and walks through the halls, which are stained with... Walks, walks through the halls of this house, which are now stained with blood. And uh, all the other epic murder children are spotted down the hallway. And they do, they do like, Kubrick stare and walk at the camera. And the camera pulls out to reveal that the footage is being watched by murder daughter, who is drawing the murder that she did in the little box where all the other dr murder drawings were. Um, she leans to the side while watching the footage and Bagul is behind her and he picks her up and carries her into the camera and he just like, yeah, he just walks into the camera and then the, 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 we see the, we see like the, this, this, this footage being put into a film reel and put into a box along with all the other ones that Ethan Hawke was looking at this whole movie. Yep. And this one's called uh, house painting, which made me laugh. Yeah. And then there's a really cheap ass jump scare right before the end credits of Bagul just like doing at the camera. And then the, we get the credits. I wish in the, uh, at the end with all the other murder children, like in Bagul, like picking her up. I think maybe that's where you could have like. Like, you know, murder children from ancient Egypt, murder children from ancient Greece, murder children from, like, the 15th century. I don't know. Just, I want to I wanna believe that this is an ancient Babylonian god because he looks like just some guy, unfortunately. Yeah, he does. I, I want him to be chiseled. I want the beard. I want the little wings. Um, it's it's so, nothing. It's fine. It's fine. Right. I'm not mad. Yeah. So on a scale of zero to five symbolic, uh, on a scale of zero to five symbolic glasses of scotch, how many symbolic glasses of scotch are you going to give this movie? I think I'm going to give it, I was going to give it four symbolic glasses of scotch, but I had to knock off one half because I just really wanted to see a like epic of Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh ass dude 
if you say that he's that old and I just didn't get to see one and like you didn't you didn't show me a big sexy man so I'll give it three and a half symbolic glasses of scotch I think this one actually gets a four symbolic glasses okay. of scotch for me speaking personally That's like valid. I just didn't I did not expect to like this movie as much as I did I'd kind of like in my mind I had mentally written this off as just like the the late aughts early tw- early tens like bad horror like bad big budget horror like not big budget like bad huge release horror movies like and the thing is like the other movies that i lumped this in with are like the conjuring which i kind of liked if i remember correctly like insidious which i think is part of the conjuring thing like re- timeline whatever conjuring extended universe yeah but like i just enjoyed this movie a lot more than i, did. I think that a lot of the things that take points off for me are the the child the ghost children just yes. like doing like Th- that is very like, cringe yeah it's like that like that old video of like the kid with the glasses and the bowl cut and his friend like dancing to derude sandstorm or something that's, yeah that's literally it <laughs> it's it's like a small thing to take so many points off of for but like i also feel like this movie like I feel like this movie has something really to say about true crime, but I feel like they did not... I don't know. I feel like you felt like they stuck the landing more than I do on that. I just feel as though the true crime stuff was not really, like... I don't know. I feel like it did not come to a conclusion. I feel like they did not have, like, a statement at the end of it on it. Yeah, I think think that's fair for me. I felt like the... I feel like the... What it's saying about true crime... uh, I feel like that was at least, like, a consistent running thread that I could grab onto... And a theme that meant something to me. So I was like, okay, I, I, I like that. Like, um, it's a, it, the very end, it just sort of goes into a completely different direction thematically in my onion. But I, 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 like, I like criticism of true crime and like analysis of the true crime genre enough that I'm willing to like give it a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was uh, surprisingly... Uh, positive on it as well so I was like okay a, a good second horror movie to have watched yeah I'm glad this was your second horror movie I hope <laughs> you can enjoy more I hope yeah I hope I can enjoy more um we yeah, got some I've... questions oh yeah we do have some questions yeah um do you want to read them yeah the first one from Hieronymus Goat at Curse Goat this movie has a bunch of cool music cuts like Sun and Boards of Canada what's the most you've ever popped for a particular song or even general soundtrack in a horror movie I'm really racking my brain trying to think of like a, a needle drop or something that really got me. Um, this is an insane thing. This is an insane soundtrack to praise, but like, are you familiar with the Divergent books and or movie? I know that they exist, but I never watched them because um, I think they came out like when I was just too old for it. Like just a bit yeah, too old. Yeah, m- me too. The only reason I've seen the movie is because my sister was a big fan and we went to see mm-hmm. one in the theaters yeah, on yeah, Family yeah. Movie Night. Um, that's The soundtrack for that movie is really good junkie xl did a great job of it but i'm trying okay. to think of like anything like i'm trying to think of like anything that like made me really pop in terms of like something being on a soundtrack you know what i'll say it um seeing the matrix uh and realizing oh my god dragula is in this movie made me pop because <laughs> i had forgotten that i had seen the matrix before like last year when i well it would have been two years ago that i rewatched it but um I had seen The Matrix before, but it had been a long time ago, and I did not know what Dragula was, so that song did not really stick to my brain in the first time I saw it. Um, and so experiencing Dragula, having completely forgotten that that was in that movie, was a real mind-blower for me. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, I, I haven't watched horror movies, as I've said, but, like, I, I, my girlfriend hadn't seen it, so I watched uh, Sorry to Bother You with her, like, a year ago, and that soundtrack goes. 
Oh, it's so good. Oh, speaking of horror movie soundtracks, um, the Hacks and Cloak did the did the soundtrack for Midsummer. Great soundtrack. There's a reason that the, there's a reason that the scores for Midsummer there's a reason that the score for Midsummer has become something of a TikTok meme. Okay. I think that's a Midsummer score. It could be Hereditary. I don't know. They use both of them over there. Um, let's see. Transgangar level sixty nine at Diplobrachus. Thank you. Great, great name. Transgangar level sixty nine. I love to experience this name. Um, should Bagul start a makeup guru YouTube channel? Yes. Um, he makes the, he makes the, he makes the, the chalk white foundation really pop. I think his eyeliner choices are just so they're, they really compliment the, the, the fact that he just dumps a bucket of gymnast chalk onto his face to start off his face care routine. There's two options. One is that he does that. The other is it's Bagul parentheses, my version. And he shows you how to do uh, ancient Babylonian makeup with like coal and lapis lazuli and whatever. Ooh, I would love this. That would be fun and nice. God. God. Ducky, in a, in a different universe where you're not going for your doctorate, I think you would be a great, like, like gimmick YouTuber where your entire thing is like, hello, I am from ye olden, ye olden <laughs> days. I am here to, like, a historian. Oh, that would rule. Like, I, I actually love making, like, ancient Roman recipes. That would have been a fun YouTube gig if I didn't have to, like, take care of needy parasite children all day. Right, right. Um, uh, also asks, also, what other family, what other family gathering would be a good tape? I'm betting on wedding personally. Um, I think like graduation. Yeah. My first thought was high school or college graduation. Yeah. I'm not sure like how you would like, how you would make that like fucked up and twisted. Cause like, you know, barbecue was the family getting burnt in the car. Pool party was the family getting drowned. Um, hanging around is, uh, the one, you know, everyone got hung. Um, what if what if graduation they have like a fucked up like crane mechanism and they fling them into the sky and they die like throwing your hat but you throw the whole thing. <laughs> this is a very high production Bagul murder. <laughs> this, this is when Bagul gets uh gets gets a better budget. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to he needs to possess the daughter he needs to possess the daughter of somebody wealthier next time so he can like use use daddy's cre- max out daddy's credit card renting a. Renting a fucking bobcat. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, oh petting, petting, petting zoo, and like they, they, they take uh, people to the, they take the family, yes. like the kid takes the family to the zoo at night and like throws them into the bear cage. Yes. Okay. Um. Lastly, from PR at PR the disaster, is there a memory you'd like to have as a home videotape? Curse optional. Oh boy. Um. I think the, the the memory I would most like to have as a home videotape is, I've told the story on the podcast before, but it never gets old for me. Um, when I was like, I would have been like 11 or 12, uh, maybe a little bit younger. My dad brought home a, one of those freestanding basketball hoops, you know, the ones where it's like you yeah, like yeah, fill yeah. the base with like water and you just let it stand in your driveway so you can like, you know, shoot hoops on it. Um, and the thing was plastic and had a leak in it. So the, the water was all leaking out and we did not realize this. So my dad brought it home, got it set up, and the water's slowly been leaking out. I'm out there, you know, practicing my three game. And I turn around to say goodbye to my mom, who's leaving for work. And the next thing I know, I'm on the ground. And it turns out that the basketball hoop had fallen on my head and bonked me down and, like, made me fall over. And it hurt so bad. And uh, I think it would be really funny to have footage of that thing falling on me. (laughs) I don't... I don't know if I want any of my memories recorded, um, but I think that there's one that would be good for a curse. Um, when we first moved to our house in Texas from Michigan when I was like four years old, it was the first time I had a backyard. So I, I, I immediately went out to play in like the old playground. 
and I was like digging in the dirt and like doing weird shit because I was four. Um, and then all of a sudden I noticed that there was a bunch of ants and my whole body was swarmed and covered in fire ants. Oh no. Um, oh no. My parents didn't know about fire ants because we were from California and Michigan. So my mom started panicking and like gave me a bath. I'm like, I only got a few bites relatively, but like for like five minutes that I was covered in ants. And um, I think that would make a good curse video. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a... Uh, uh, PR also asks, which horror movie fucked up guys buy his jeans off the back of the truck? Um, I think Michael Myers def... I mean, like, canonically, Michael Myers has the fit that he does because he, like, fucking jacked... He killed some poor, uh, some poor like, like maintenance worker and, you know, jacked his clothes. I think Michael Myers buys jeans off the back of a truck. I will take your word for it because... I saw this question and I was shopping it. So if you don't know what this refers to, um, a House MD patient gets poisoned one time because he bought jeans off the back of a truck. And that's the reveal <laughs> at the end of the House MD episode, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. And um, so I saw this and I immediately asked my Housebound co-host, um, uh, listen to Housebound House MD podcast, um, who would do this. But none of us could think of like a horror movie guy off the top of our heads except like the Jigsaw guy. Um, <laughs> oh my god wait when you say the jigsaw guy do you mean like do you mean like tobin bell john kramer or do you mean billy the puppet i me and alana both thought that the guy making the traps and the puppet was the same guy <laughs> honestly i also thought that for a long time so it would be the puppet buying jeans but the puppet is also the guy um so that's my answer the puppet buys the jeans mm-hmm <laughs> So that's uh, oh no recommendations. Uh, Ducky, do you got one or should I go first? Because I can go uh, first. I got one. You can go first. Is it recommendations of anything or like any damn thing you want? Because okay, my recommendation, yeah, yeah. my recommendation this week is definitely going to be First Reformed Ethan Hawke movie. Um, it's a movie that I watched uh, late last. Let me. I'm gonna double check and make sure that I haven't recommended this on Fear Rating before because I feel like I have. No, you should do it again because this was uh, recommended as well by the the This Machine Kills podcast host, and so I will second it. Um, I trust their judgment. So yeah, First Reformed is um, it's a movie about a reverend who is visited by a woman and her troubled husband who is an environmentalist and her husband is very troubled by the state of the world and talking about them it's it asks the question of the morality it, it starts with the question of what is the morality of bringing a child into this world that is like like this and it takes a lot of turns and it makes you it makes your tummy hurt from stress yeah um the it's it's a really good movie ethan hawk performance of a lifetime in it um not even getting nominated for an oscar the oscars are fake as fuck but him not getting nominated for one for that made me really fucking pissed off i digress um first performed ethan hawk movie cannot recommend it enough ducky what you got that's a fantastic recommendation um god what have i watched what have i engaged with media wise recently that oh okay um uh the octavia butler xenogenesis trilogy um, I wanted some fiction audiobooks, and those were recommended to me, and they're fantastic. Um, what if First Contact Aliens? Um, and it's it's got a lot of really good things to say about uh, humanity and um, gender and genetics. And um, I'm not sure if it'll stick the landing on the third point because I'm very very sensitive, but I really trust Octavia Butler. Um, and uh, about to listen to the third one, and and they're just they're so good, and you should all listen to them. Uh, the Xenogenesis trilogy audiobook or regular book. I like to read it. Yeah. Um, 
that's my recommendation for today. Uh, yeah, that's hell yeah. Uh, Ducky, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was an absolute delight. I'm so glad I finally got to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me in. I'm, I'm glad that I was able to like fill the spot of you not having anyone this week. Um, and I did enjoy this movie. So, um, a good, uh, good second horror movie. I think my third might be Hereditary because I think it's Atreus House. So I'll tell you how that goes. Hell yeah. We love Atreus House here. We love Atreus. Is it House really? Here. Is it really Atreus? I've always, I've always thought it was like Atreus. So you are correct, I think. Okay. Because I call it Atreus because I read things and then I learn how to say them. But my okay, Atre- Atreus was the boy in God of War video game, right? Yes, they, very funny thing to name your son uh, when you're normal. Um, my, <laughs> when you're normal. <laughs> my archaeology professor always said, um, Atreus, naming, "Naming my son, naming my son Icarus as a goof." Literally. Uh, I hope nothing bad happens. Um, yeah, it's, she was Greek and she always said Atreus, so I trust her. Um, but I always say Atreus because I, I can never change even though I'm flawed. So you're you're actually correct. You're the correct head here. Um, but <laughs> cool. yeah, that'll be my third horror movie and uh, I'll keep you updated. But this was a good a good second one. So thank you for uh, inviting me onto the pod. And I also like to see a divorced man. So good all around. Enjoyable. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are at Fearbaiting on Twitter. We are also patreon.com slash Fearbaiting if you would like to support the podcast. One buck a month, basically a tip jar. Occasionally episodes get up early. If they do, you get them early. Five bucks a month, you get your name on the podcast and a uh, message right on the show. Ten bucks a month, all of that, plus also you get to make us watch a movie. Thank you very much to Luna Wolf, Paul Moran, and Paul Bechtel. We love you all so much. No, yeah, it's, sorry, I got a, I got a handful of things to get through. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm sorry. Thank you to Matt GameCube for creating the Noise Space to XYZ Network, which we are so which we are so grateful to be hosted under. Um, you can find so many other great podcasts under that network, such as the other ones that I do, like Forward Forward ReZero, the ReZero Watch Along podcast, like Wow Cool Robot, the Gundam podcast that I am about to be on. We're covering Iron Blooded Orphans. Um, or I might already have been on, depending on when you're hearing this episode, where the schedule, the recording schedule is a little bit out of whack because of reasons, but it's fine. You'll hear this episode. Listen to Wow Cool Robot. I'll be on it. Um, Iron Blooded Orphans, Special Great Snacks, Jutsu Kaisen Podcast, The Wonder Yerks, Animorphs Podcast, Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Doc, Leftism Podcast. I'm doing too many fucking podcasts. <laughs> I need, to, I literally need to be stopped. I'm trying to do this and be a full time student and work and do a Pokemon draft league. It's really too much, but I'm doing it. I'm doing this damn thing. You know what? I'm fucking, I'm young. I've got this gas in the tank. Might as well use it. Um, Thank you to Blair Kitsch, who edits these episodes most of the time. Thank you to people you meet outside of bars for our incredible intro-outro music. You can find more of them on Bandcamp if you just head to gaygothvibes.online. You can find more of me specifically on Twitter at sunhatgenya, S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. Oh, and Blair can be found on Twitter at Blair Kitsch. Uh, And I believe that's everything. So until next time, I'm Sarah. I'm Ducky. And remember... What do we remember? You can put a fucked up guy anywhere. You can put a fuck. Sometimes there's just a guy. Sometimes there's just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right. Good night, everyone.